everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 182 of the John Riley Project. Hey, today we're going to talk personal finance and we have with us today a uh, Poway author, Alex Mathers. Um, Alex, how you doing? Good. How are you? All right. You know, we've been promoting your book here, Building Firm, and we've been sharing it on the podcast. And I know um, this is going to be great. I think we can talk a little bit about, um, you know, how we can better manage our money. And I think that'll be a, a great thing for us to explore. Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on. You know, I've been watching your program, I think, since pretty much the beginning uh, and always wanted to come on and, and talk to you. And, and we've met a few times, gone out to lunch, which has been great, uh, you know, supporting local Poway restaurants as best we can. And uh, glad we were able to finally find time to do the podcast. Yeah, you were the one that introduced me to, to North Park Produce. I had never been there. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorites. Absolutely. It's a great place. And, and every time I, I drove by it, I thought, oh, it's a it's a produce company. I've, I figured I'd go in there and they'd be selling fruits and vegetables. But it was like a legit, you know, uh, Mediterranean, um, you know, uh, buffet. I mean, with wonderful food. I thought it was a great place. Right. Their bakery, which is attached to the grocery store, uh, is really good. I always get their uh, chicken shawarma plate. Which is uh, it's my favorite, my wife's favorite too. Yeah, it's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we met, you know, we were talking uh, a lot about you know you were in the middle of writing the book, and I know you finally got it finished, and and you shared a copy with me, and I got a chance to go through it, and there's a lot of really good lessons in this book. I mean, lessons that I wish I knew when I was a lot younger. I mean, is, how did you come about this uh, idea of, of writing a book? about personal finance? You know, I, I had always really struggled with it. Um, and about 10 years ago, I really started digging into it, reading everything I could find. And then about five years ago, I really started putting all these ideas into notes. And then at about three years ago, I had probably 20 or 30 pages worth of notes. And I said, well, I'm kind of halfway to a book. Maybe I just you know, uh, massage it a little bit and turn it into a book. I thought it would take six months and three years later, finally finished it. Uh, but it was, uh, it was a great journey and, uh, I'm really glad and really proud of the book that I, uh, created. Yeah. I, I think it's awesome. I mean, it's a great achievement to, to write a book, to be published. Um, and just so many lessons, you know, one of the things you talked a little bit about in the book is how, so few of us have really been properly educated on financial literacy. It seems like it's often skipped in high school and even in even in college. And we have to sort of figure it out ourselves or or hope we have good mentors. And and it, and it, sometimes we don't figure it out until we're well into adulthood. Right. And myself, particularly. So I have a uh, masters in mechanical engineering. I'm not a financial professional, uh, financial advisor by any means. I'm a registered professional engineer uh, here in California, and even through you know high school, college, uh, and graduate school, uh, 
you know, nothing about personal finance or investing is, is taught. Uh, really, it has to be, you know, learned um, either from a mentor or just through your personal experiences and, and failures. So uh, I thought it was really important uh, really to get all my lessons learned uh, down on paper and give it to uh, uh, you know, people who are willing to learn, you know, I, I say it's the book that I wish I had 20 years ago because it really would have saved me a lot of heartache between now and then now and today. Yeah. You know, it, it makes you wonder, you know, because, it, you know, we're, you know, I do a lot of podcasts talking about Poway Unified School District. And, you know, we're trying to develop our leaders of tomorrow and prepare these young children to, you know, be productive adults. But I always wondered why, it's it's never really seriously taught. Sometimes I wonder, is it because it's money and people have a sort of a voodoo relationship with money? Um, I often wonder. Yeah, I, I don't know why it's in not in standard curriculum. I mean, obviously, once you get higher up into college and, and postgraduate, you're more focused on your your major, whatever that is. Uh, but I do think it's definitely important uh, in uh, starting in middle school and then in high school to really learn how uh, to manage your money and how money flows uh, in and out of your life. Okay. So now I just want to remind our audience, we are doing a live stream here on Facebook and YouTube, and we'd be happy to take any of your questions and comments about, um, you know, financial matters, about personal finance. If you have questions for Alex, you know, please leave them in the comments section. Um Alex, you, you talk about financial independence with the right mindset. That seems to be one of the core ideas throughout the book. Can you kind of share with us what that really means? Uh, sure. So financial independence, uh, obviously, that's a, a term used a lot. You know, people talk about financial freedom, financial independence. It's really about kind of uh, breaking free from uh, being um, – uh, what's the term? It, it, it's not just about retirement. You know, it's about being able to uh, uh, make money uh, that uh, makes you time to be free uh, from obligations. Mm-hmm. And uh, you might have heard the term uh, fire or financial independence, retire early. Uh, this is kind of a play on that. Um, and I talk about financial independence, but not just about uh, retiring early, but um, just getting to financial independence with the right mindset. And the right mindset is understanding that it's not just about earning money, uh, but it's about making money. And the distinction I make in the book is that earning money is earning money from a job. It's your active income. Uh uh, making money is passive income. It comes from investments. And to make money, you need to go through a number of steps. So first you need to earn money and then you need to obviously save it, uh, invest it and invest it into assets that appreciate instead of depreciate. And that's really how you how you can make money and making money, you know, frees your time to pursue your happiness. Yeah, you know, it, well, first of all, I want to thank one of my our listeners, uh, Poway Don, kind of commented that my volume was too low uh, relative to Alex. So hopefully I made the adjustment and it's OK. Um, you know, I think that's a great concept that you touched on, the idea of making money versus earning money and the idea that we can achieve independence when we have when we make enough money to cover our expenses 
and, and then we get to a point where we can essentially buy time. And really the end game in all of this is really time, isn't it? It's, you know, we talk about money, but it, but it really comes down to how much time we have in our lives and how we spend that time. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely right. Um, when I started writing the book, I, I was really focused on teaching people, you know, how money works, uh, you know, what I didn't understand when I was growing up. And the way I did that was I, I made a lot of visuals. Uh, I provided visuals about how money flows. And as an engineer, uh, I used the a system of uh, tanks and uh, uh kind of related to water flowing into tanks, out of tanks, down drains, uh, and how you can control that money flow by making the right decisions. Yeah, here's one of your diagrams in the book. Oh, yeah. I don't know if anyone can see it here, but it's like this awesome flow chart, and it shows the flow of money inbound and outbound and money going down the drain, and um, definitely written from an engineer's perspective, which is great. Uh, but you know, what, can you walk us through just a couple of those basic concept, uh, concepts of how money flows and how you build a net worth and, and how money can go down the drain? Sure. Um, let me see if I can show. I uh, probably can't on the uh, – probably won't be able to see it. But in general, let's see if I can show this. There it is. Yeah. yeah. So everyone who, um, you know, who's working for an employer, they get a salary. Uh, that salary, like I said, is it's earning money. You know, you're, uh, you're earning money from your employer. Uh, but from that money, obviously, income taxes are taken out. And that money I represent it as going down the drain. Uh, that drain uh, is obviously going to the government. It's not typically not fully down the drain, but out of your drain, right? This is right. typically, this is focused on your personal finance. Uh, uh, you can bypass some of that, obviously, by investing in a 401k or uh, an HSA uh, um, or uh, other types of, uh, or FSA. Uh, but whatever's left is your active income. And that goes into your income tank, which is uh, kind of like your, your bank account, your uh, uh -huh. primary bank account. And that account has a, has a level. Uh, and out of that bank account, um, it, your expenses are drained out of that. And so the first step is to make sure that the salary come, that's coming in is greater than the expenses going out. I mean, it's, it's simple, uh, but it's, for me, it's great to be able to visualize it. Um, and that's one of the reasons why um, I wanted to kind of show this is that me personally, I'm a visual learner. I could read 10 financial books, personal finance books, but not really understand it. I mean, I, I would get it, but I wouldn't really be able to to see it. And that's why I really started with the book is I wanted to be able to to visualize this money flow uh, through your through your life. Uh, so um, uh, within your income tank, uh, then you've got uh, uh, investments. So you have expenses going down the drain, but you invest into assets. Uh, and one thing that I realized is that not everyone thinks that all assets are the same. You know, people kind of Carpet, uh, I can't say the word, but compartmentalize. Is that yes, the word? thank you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know different types of assets, like uh, 
uh, a car or a trailer or, uh, you know, and they think those types, those assets are different from other types of assets, but in reality, they're all the same. And the, your assets tanks, your asset tank is your investments. Um, and some of those investments like cars or boats or trailers, you know, they depreciate and some depreciate more than others. Uh, Others uh, such as stocks or real estate or mutual funds or uh, index funds, uh, they appreciate over time. And so the idea is to invest more into assets that appreciate than depreciate. And because those assets appreciate, you're able to uh, divest or get dividends from uh, those assets. And that becomes your passive income or the money that you make. Um, and hopefully the idea is that over time, those that passive income actually exceeds your expenses. And once you get to that point, you know, you have the ability uh, to retire if you want. Uh, and um, the, the differentiator between... Um, financial independence retire early and and mine financial independence with the right mindset is that yes, you can retire early or um, you can stretch it out. Fire necessitates, you know, very tight uh, savings uh, and, and very low expenses limits, um, which is great. And that's fine, but not everyone wants to uh, wants to uh, live that kind of restrictive lifestyle. Um, so the, the ability to, uh, save and invest and earn passive income, uh, more than your expenses gives you the option to retire, but you don't have to. And the more you work, the more you invest, the greater you make that money you save, the more options you have going forward and the more time, uh, overall that you, you make for yourself. Yeah, I mean, again, the book is spectacular because the way that you've sort of flow charted it all was wonderful. I mean, I know that when I was growing up, you know, I was spending money as fast as it came in. And and to me, when I was younger, um, saving was almost like a like a chore, you know, it was not you didn't want to do it. Or maybe if you did save as for something temporary, then finally, um, this is shortly before I got married, my wife really encouraged me to sign up for my 401k and my, my employer was, had a really attractive match. And I signed up for that and I saw my net worth building and growing. And then I was telling my employees, I said, man, you got to go down there to the HR office and fill out a form. They're giving away free money. And they, they didn't understand. They didn't have the right mindset and they were, uh, they were afraid to even save a few nickels, even if they could transform that into even, you know, into four nickels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have the mindset to understand how to build wealth and ultimately how wealth is what's going to buy us the time down the road. Yeah. It, investing definitely takes, uh, it takes risk, but what people, uh, a lot of people that I talk to don't understand is everything has risk. There's risk everywhere. I mean, holding cash in a bank has inherent risks because of opportunity costs. You know, that money in a bank, you think, well, it's holding value, but it's, really not because over time with inflation that that the value of that money decreases by about you know two to three percent uh, but on top of that is something that's not easily seen as inflation but that's opportunity cost uh, and that cost is um, uh, 
the cost of investing in a risk-free or you know generally observed to be a risk-free uh, investment vehicle like a, a treasury bond that might pay uh, you know a percent or two. But that it seems like a little bit, but over 10, 20 years, that really adds up. And so the idea is to you know invest in assets that have the highest probabil- probability of of appreciation or increasing in value over time. And it's uh, you can increase that risk by investing just in you know stocks or real estate, or you can decrease that risk by investing in you know, larger mutual funds or uh, or index funds, uh, which have a, a, a more efficient uh, risk to reward uh, profile. You know, there was one nugget that I took in the book that I it was an interesting ratio. And correct me if I didn't get this right, but you have to save thirty times your annual uh, budget or your monthly budget, yeah, or annual budget. You have to have thirty times in the bank in order to live the current lifestyle that you live now when you're in retirement. Is that right? Uh, I, I think so. Um, I, I did uh, kind of a, a quick example, I think, in the book. And uh, it was something I had read uh, in an article. I, I talked about it um, early on, um, I think, in the retirement section about how if you – retire uh, at 65 with a million dollars, which, you know, it sounds like a lot. Wow. I'm a, I'm a millionaire. I've got a million dollars. Um, and it used to be right. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you retire at 65 with a million dollars, that's great. Um, but assuming you're living off of, uh, say, 40 or 50,000 a year um, with uh, the uh, with inflation, you know, you'll actually end up using up all that money, I think, by the time you're uh, 80 or 85. Um, so you think that, you know, it, it seems like it's a lot and would be enough to last. But in, in actuality, it's uh, it can run out pretty quickly. Yeah, it can. And, you know, that 30x number was, you know, we're we're making progress as a family. We still have a ways to go until <laughs> we get to that. That's a lofty, right. lofty level. But you got to keep working at it. Yeah. Um, you know, you commented in the book about, you know, we all make mistakes financially and especially when you're we're younger. Um, I know one of mine, I remember when I had gotten out of college and all through college, I never had credit cards and I got a you know a job. And I, I remember I got my first credit card when I was about a year out of college and I was excited because I could finally buy things and pay for them in installments. And I thought that was a great thing. Now it just sounds like so ridiculous um, (laughs) that I would think that way. But what are some other mistakes maybe that you've made or other people have shared with you that maybe inspired you to, to educate more people? Um, I've made a lot of mistakes, probably more on the investing side because I didn't really understand it. Uh, I've always been very good at saving money, but I never really understood the investing part. Um, I, uh, I've had um, uh, financial advisors uh, in the past who have actually made mistakes on my behalf and actually lost me money instead of made me money. Oh, oh my. Um, and I'm not saying that, uh, you know, going with a financial advisor is a mistake, but not understanding what they are having you invest in is definitely a mistake. You know, not knowing how to invest, uh, is, is, was one of, you know, my big mistakes, I would say. Um, uh, 
I certainly have made mistakes with uh, 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 credit cards in the past. You know, I had a uh, uh, credit card a long time ago where I moved and the bill was being sent to my previous address and I didn't realize it. And I didn't realize that there had been a charge on the card and until uh, I think collections came for me and the bill was 10 times what the original charge was. And, oh, um, yeah. you know, that was a mess. Um, but, uh, I would say, yeah, most of the mistakes, um, that, that I made were more about not knowing or understanding, you know, the money flow that I talk about, um, but also not understanding, you know, how money affects us, uh, on a day-to-day basis, or at least affects our, our personal happiness. Um, that's one of the things that, you know, I started writing the book as an engineer, you know, I, I, I wrote about, uh, uh, saving, borrowing, investing. I had the diagrams, uh, which is very, which is great, but it was all very analytical. You know, there wasn't anything, uh, really, uh, personable or, uh, you know, there wasn't anything else to the book. And I, I felt like the book needed something else. And so that's when I really started researching the relationship between money and happiness. Um, you know, I'd, luckily, my my daughter loves going to the library. We went to the Poway Library uh, probably at least once a week. And I, um, you know, and researching this book and just in general, you know, I checked out every book, every personal finance book that they had. Um, and one thing I realized is that number one, it was all kind of really dry, boring text. Like I mentioned before, none, none of them really showed, you know, what uh, personal finance investing was about, but they also didn't really explain why, you know, why is it important? Uh, why is personal finance important? And so that's why I decided to kind of wrap this idea of, of showing people how money flows and, and really start by talking about the why, you know, why is it important and, and how money and, and happiness are, are related. Yeah. I, I, I love that part of it. I mean, you know, my podcast, we talk about how it's all about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And you spend a great deal of time in the very beginning of the book, you know, talking about the giving tree as, as a, as a metaphor for um, how people, um, you know, how people, create their own happiness, but then you go a little bit deeper and talk about how, yeah, money and happiness, you can't buy happiness, but money gives you that flexibility to make happiness maybe easier to achieve. That's right. You know, I, I, after reading everything I can or everything I could about happiness, I realized that there is no one definition. There's been a lot of studies about happiness but it's really hard to study because it's really hard to define. Everyone defines it differently, but that doesn't mean that you can't uh, uh, understand how happiness comes about. So, you know, what I talk about in the book is that uh, you really need to understand that life is about that never ending pursuit of maximizing your, your long-term happiness. Um, you know, people talk about the, the meaning of life. They try to find it, but I believe, you know, understanding the purpose is, is more important. Um, the, you know, the pursuit of happiness, uh, was written in the declaration of independence by Benjamin Franklin. Um, some people take pursuit, uh, 
as a phrase to mean kind of chasing happiness, but I think it's more about kind of seeking and obtaining and really experiencing it, um, you know, and pursuing and, and kind of chasing happiness. It, it may seem uh, or sound kind of selfish, uh, but what I what I really talk about is that um, happiness, uh, as I believe, you know, Benjamin Franklin was talking about and in the pursuit of happiness is long-term happiness. Um, when during my research, you know, I came across, um, or I, you know, I dove further into where this pursuit of happiness came from and it kind of originated from the ancient Greeks. Uh, and they talk about, you know, hedonia and eudaimonia, um, and hedonia is kind of short-term happiness from pleasure. Uh, and it's something that is uh, kind of taken to be happy. Uh, you know, it's activities like uh, drinking, smoking, eating too many sweets, you know, eating that big piece of chocolate cake, uh, which gives you that short-term happiness, yeah. but can negatively affect your long-term happiness. Um, and... The opposite of that is uh, eudaimonia, which is long-term happiness from fulfillment. Uh, so it's more about peace of mind stemming from what we what we give to actually receive happiness in return. Um, and so, you know, kind of what I talk about is trading your short-term hedonia for your future eudaimonia. You know, you kind of have to make sacrifices now for that long-term happiness later. So like no pain, no gain. Um, you know, I, I know I think of happiness, you know, I've, I've been on this exploration as well. And someone said to me, this really rang true, that happiness is when there's congruence between the life we're experiencing and our own values. And when those two line up, um, then when we're living our own values, then we feel fulfilled and ultimately happy. But every one of us has different values and therefore different different ways we achieve happiness. So happiness varies. There's no single definition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, you know, I can't tell you, uh, uh, what makes you happy and, um, you know, people don't know what makes me happy. Um, but the way that personal finance helps is that if you understand, like I was saying, how to earn money, save, invest, and, and then make money, Making money creates time, and that that time that you receive uh, gives you the chance, the the opportunity to pursue your happiness, whatever that is. Yeah, right on. Yeah, I, mean, I, I like that because you're right. A lot of personal finance books are very dry and very, um, yeah, financial. Right? There's a lot of <laughs> you know numbers and and but you talk a lot about yeah why financial literacy is important and really what what some of our long-term goals should be. You give it greater context. I mean, you you spend probably the first, you know, portion of the book really talking about that before you really even get to money. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like that. I think you set it up very well. That's great. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, you know, there's another part of your book that was interesting because I was having a conversation with my daughter. And my daughter is 23 and she's an accountant, which I'm like overjoyed. Um, she just earned her CPA and she's waiting on the license in the mail. She passed all four oh, of her tests. That's great. She, she is light years ahead of me of where I was when I was 23 in terms of, you know, personal finance. And she was asking me, um, what 
is the right, how should I say, what's the right framework? Because she had her own savings account. She was participating in her 401k. She wasn't sure she should get a Roth. Then she talked about her emergency savings and then saving for targeted goals or maybe separate investment accounts. What maybe you can describe for me, maybe the priority order, because I think you go through this in the book of where you should be focused first and then step by step where your money should go. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah. And just a you know, disclaimer, obviously, like I said before, I'm not a financial advisor. I can't you know, I, I'm not can't give any kind of personalized financial advice. Everyone obviously has their own situation. But in, in general, um the first thing is obviously pay down any any high interest debts, right? If you've got you know a huge uh, credit card bill that's uh, you know you're paying sixteen or eighteen percent interest in, um, that's going to be your number one best investment. Uh, after that is to use your uh, retirement accounts or you know any pre tax money to invest as much as possible. Um, so traditional four hundred one k, a Roth as well. Um, and, and those operate differently as far as tax advantage accounts. But um, that is as far as, you know, uh, financial efficiency, that's the best way. And then after that is using as much uh, uh, post-tax uh, uh, money to invest uh, in just regular uh uh, brokerage accounts um, or in, in real estate as well. Uh, you know, m- myself, I, I like stocks. I, I enjoy um, investing uh, in stocks, but uh, I don't want to take away from obviously the advantages of real estate, uh, which uh, can actually yield better returns than, than stocks just because of some of the tax advantages of, of owning and operating real estate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us, we have, um, you know, especially here in California, you know, we, we look at our house as a major asset, a significant portion of our potential retirement. Um, and yeah, you're right. The tax advantages of owning a home are, are tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of if you want to play the game effectively and you want to play it to win, you do need to have real estate. Um, certainly. Right. Um, and, and I do talk about, I think I've got a chapter in the book or a section in the book where I talk about the difference between, you know, your house, right? Your, your primary residence where you live and investment in uh, a rental property, you know, real estate property. And obviously you can make money from, you know, owning uh, uh, the house that you live in and and it's, it's ideal, but I I would, it's kind of hard to call it an investment. It's certainly an asset. You know, it's not a liability. I don't believe it's a liability like some people say. It's certainly an asset. But it's it's sometimes hard to treat it as an investment because, you know, not only because of the personal attachment, you know, you have of, you know, living in your own house um, and all the work, all the hard work you, you do yeah. that goes into that. But it's uh, – you, you have to um, – I'm trying to remember what I said in that chapter, but uh, in general, um, you know, the house that you live in um, is certainly an asset, but don't always think of it as just as an investment. Um, I guess if I were to uh, kind of summarize that, um, I I go in more and better detail into the book, but uh, um, yeah, I would just make that, that side note. 
Yeah, I, I've heard similar advice where, you know, your home, the your primary purpose for having your home is so you have a good place to live mm-hmm. and to, you know, have a quality of life and to raise your family. And it is an asset, no doubt about it. Um, you hope that it becomes an attractive investment, but that isn't the number one reason you own the house. That's uh, right. And, um, you know, but again, here in California, the the house as an investment could be is an interesting angle, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and 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 we're susceptible to the wild swings of the real estate market. I mean, isn't it amazing how much real estate is continuing to go up in price right now? It's still a red hot market, even in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, can you believe it? <laughs> it is. Absolutely. I, I it, probably because the interest rates are so low and. Uh, you know, people see the opportunities, the future opportunities. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, I, I thought it would have uh, the values would have decreased. But yeah, surprisingly not. Well, I, you know, summer is a red hot time anyways in the real estate market. But now, you know, they usually is uh, it cools off when the kids go back to school, but no one's <laughs> going back to school. So, oh, yeah, um, that's right. Uh, you know, part of what one of the things I do in my job is I. I work with a lot of real estate data, um, databases of new homeowners and the like, and the numbers are still sky high um, relative to where they've been, not only in previous years this time, but even within this current year. It's unbelievable how hot the market is. Um, Sometimes I just wonder, you know, like our economy is it a house of cards, you know, because of all of the bailouts and the and the money printing and everything else. But in the end, you know, we've got to play our own game. We've got to figure out how to work it for, to our advantage. And I think a lot of the skills you teach in this book are really helpful. Right. And you touched on another good point about, um, you know, obviously all the stimulus is great, but you know, that money comes from somewhere. And I think uh, like I talked about earlier about, you know, holding cash and that, you know, loses value over time as inflation goes up. And uh, if, um you know, if if we're getting all this money, uh, all that money is coming from somewhere. I believe that's probably going to be from future inflation. So it's something that uh, it's important to have your money invested so that you're protected against that future inflation. Yeah, th- this is the part that I don't understand about what's happening with the economy, because we've always been told that if government, you know, continues to build and build debt and gosh, what is the national debt now? About twenty seven trillion dollars. Um, What's supposed to happen is that there would be tremendous inflation because we've seen that in like Zimbabwe and Brazil and a lot of other nations. But somehow the Federal Reserve is able to keep, you know, our interest rates, not just low relative to our debt level, but just insane low, even in the face of high demand. Um, So there's more going on with monetary policy. I just don't understand. Yeah, I wish I had a good answer for that. I certainly don't understand it. (laughs) Um, uh, Maybe that'll be uh, a a chapter in my next book. (laughs) (laughs) You know, the the other part of this thing is great. And again, I love the diagrams in your book and the way you flow charted out. This is something that I really wish I knew, you know, when I was a teenager and definitely should have had reinforced when I was in my early 20s. When you know you're first starting to make money, and then well, that's when we make a lot of mistakes, or at least I did. Uh, but I remember when I finally got on track, and I I was fortunate to have a, a good financial advisor who has done my wife and I very well. Um, 
I remember hearing this one analogy and it was a really good one. It's imagine two brothers and they're twins and they're 20 years old. And one brother saves a consistent amount of money every year until the age of 30. And the, the second twin brother does no saving at all. Until they get to the age of 30, the first brother just stops saving. The second brother says, oh, my gosh, I need to start saving for my retirement. And that brother starts putting the same dollar amount per year that the first brother did. But from the ages of 30 to 60, where the first brother only put him in from the age of 20 to 30, by the time they get to be 60 years old, it was the first brother that had more money at the end. The one that only saved between the years 20 and 30. Isn't that amazing? It is. And I, I've certainly read a similar, uh, you know, something similar and it's, it's absolutely true. And that's why, you know, I said, I wish I had this book 20 years ago and yeah. the, the effect of, you know, compounding, um, you know, making, getting your money to, to work for you over time. Uh, you know, your time is your most valuable asset. And really when you're young, um, if you can, even if it's just a little bit, you know, it, you know, just you know, ten dollars here, twenty dollars there. If you can save that, invest it into something that will, um, you know, pay a little bit of dividend, and you can reinvest those dividends and compound that. Uh, you know, the 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 time will really push the value of that money up um, uh, exponentially. Yeah, it's just so many amazing lessons. I mean. We talked about one of these topics when we were at lunch a few weeks ago that that, you know, is the concept of time was really the ultimate the ultimate um, unit of measurement, because I didn't really understand that when I was young. You know, people say uh, time is money and that's Ben Franklin again. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it wasn't until much later that I really kind of got it where. Uh, again, when I was young, I spent money as fast as I brought it in. I made some financial mistakes. I had debt. I had to crawl out of that. I was able to do it. Then I began investing. But still, you're always thinking you're investing for your future. It's like the fire model, right, that you're going to try to retire early. But in the end, what you're trying to do is have enough money so that you can buy time. And then when you have more time, then you have true independence, because you have to work less. And I went, ah, okay, now I'm getting it. Time is money. Right. Uh, yeah, we, we talked about that, um, you know, when we had that, uh, the dumplings for lunch, which was really good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and so it's it's dumplings and steam bun. I think in your previous podcast, you were trying to find the word for the that other uh, Chinese dish we had. Those, the steam buns or the uh, uh, kind of the the puffy uh, yeah. uh, puffy dumplings. But uh, back back That's to the point. Were. That's what I didn't understand. I was I remember I said dumplings and then buns, but I wasn't. I forgot the word steamed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th that place is really good. Joy's Dumpling uh, Joy's, House on Powell yeah. Road. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's a good place. That was really good. Um, but yeah, so, you know, people use the term time is money and, you know, they talk about that in terms of kind of like wasting time. Um, yes. But really, uh, you know, uh, time and money are, I think, more interrelated than people realize. You know, time is money, but money also represents time. And, and that's something that um, I talk about uh, in the book is that, um, you know, the 
the money that you have, the dollar that you have in your pocket kind of represents the time that you spent to make that dollar. Um, and when you go and, and buy something, what you're really doing is you're trading your time for somebody else's time, right? Uh, for the dumplings, for example, you know, they spent their time to create those dumplings. We spent our time, you know, uh, uh, through money to, to buy those dumplings or buy their time. Um, and it's all about making sure that you're efficient with your money and efficient with your time. You know, uh, you know, for me as an engineer, I've studied for years to be efficient with my time in, in designing and engineering. And, uh, and so I can do that really efficiently. So someone can trade, uh, you know, their time for my time uh, so I can engineer things for them. But for things that I'm not good at, um, say, uh you know, uh, building a shed, you know, I can pay someone, yeah, I, I can try and design it and go get the materials and, you know, put everything together and, uh, probably build it for, for half price, but it'll probably turn out to be a terrible shed. You know, it'll fall apart in a month and it'll look bad. And, yeah. you know, I'd sure I save money, but I probably spent a month of my time doing that. Whereas, uh, I could pay someone who could build it in half a day and they could, you know, build it, uh, 20 times better than I can. It will, it'll look great. So, you know, it's, it's real about, it's about realizing, you know, how to be most efficient with your time, your money. Um, you know, is it worth it for you to, uh, uh, save money or spend a little bit more to have someone do specifically what you need, uh, in less time? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's, you know, there's another podcaster I listen to. His name's Jason Stapleton. And he talks about how he never wants to spend time doing things he doesn't want to do. And so in his business, he outsourced all of his bookkeeping because he knows he would never be good at tracking the finances. He just gives it to someone else who is more efficient with that time, knows how to do it really well, enjoys doing it. And he pays that person, which in turn frees up his time. He bought that time. I mean, we think of it as buying the buying the service, but ultimately you're buying yourself time. Mm -hmm. And then as a result, his life is happier. Um, he is able to pursue his happiness, you know, spend time on what's really valuable to him. Yeah, and, absolutely. And so, yeah, when you start seeing money and time from all these different angles, it really opens up your mind because, yeah, usually that time – you know, time is money. You think of it in terms of wasted, um, but you don't think of it in terms of an asset or recapturing time. Because I mean, you said that in the book, time is your most valuable asset. Yeah, that's absolutely true in a number of number of ways, because, you know, obviously you can't go back in time, right? Once it's gone, it's it's gone forever. Uh, you know, it's a non-renewable resource. So uh, it's very important um, that you use your time most efficiently and use it to do things that make you happy. Uh, you know, and that's how, you know, kind of time, money and happiness are all really interrelated. They are. Exactly right. Yeah. It's almost like a, we can think of those Venn diagrams with the overlap and <laughs> right. find the sweet spot in the middle. But I was yep. just thinking I, was, I had a funny thought when you said, yeah, you can't go back in time. And I was thinking, well, if you have a DeLorean, maybe you can. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, th now, th this book, I think, is fantastic. Now, uh, I assume you can buy this online, right? Is oh, yes. Yeah, actually. So you've got uh, the book I gave you is the older cover. Um 
I since updated it. Uh, you know, I had, I had gone through a number of, of kind of revisions on the cover, trying to really dial it in. Uh, but yes, uh, it is on Amazon um, as both a paperback uh, or a Kindle Kindle version. I think it's two ninety nine for the Kindle and seven dollars and change for the paperback. That's awesome. I think this is great. And building firm financial independence with the right mindset. Do you mind if we take a little bit of a detour? Because I know a lot of our listeners and viewers, maybe they've aspired to be a book writer. I know it's something I've been thinking about. Walk me through the process of what it was like to actually write a book, you know, coming up with the idea. You know, how did you compile your information and how do you publish it? Yeah, it was it was some parts were easier and some parts were harder than I thought. Uh I, I always knew once I really got going that I would use uh you know Amazon has their KDP or Kindle Direct Publishing uh where you upload a copy and people can either download it as an ebook or they will print it on demand as a paperback. Uh so like I said before, you know, I was doing all this research, I had 20 pages of notes, which I just kind of kept informally in uh, a Google document so I could access it anywhere. And then I really started kind of outlining and and getting, uh, you know, I probably had 50 pages uh, in kind of a six by nine format. So they're, you know, different book sizes, right? This is six by nine, which is kind of typical for uh, a book of, you know, this, uh, 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 that thickness, I guess. Um, and so I, you know, I formatted for that just in kind of word. Uh, and then, uh, I used, uh, some online resources. So there's, uh, Upwork, uh, and then there's Fiverr, which, uh, uh, are, are both ways to hire, uh, independent contractors, uh, to do different things. Um, and so, you know, I hired editors to kind of help me, uh, refine it, um, through the process. So, uh, I would send them a copy, they would mark it up, um, send it back to me. And, uh, I I would make those changes and write maybe 20 or 30 more pages and then send it to another editor and they would add their changes. And so kind of went through that iterative process, uh, four or five times to really, to really dial it in. And if you don't want me interrupting, but when an editor suggests changes, do they just fix your like vocabulary and maybe some grammar or do they actually make recommendations about other ways you can write or maybe different avenues to explore? Uh, uh, both. Uh, so there's a lot of different types of editing. There's uh, proofreading, which is just uh, looking at the grammar, uh, spelling, punctuation. Um, there is uh, developmental. I think, I think that's what it's called. Developmental editing where they'll, they'll really look at the structure you know, should this paragraph be here or should it be there? Should this chapter come before or after this? You know, more of a, a format editing. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the other types, but there's probably four or five different types of editing that you can hire them to do or, or uh, ask them to, to look at all the above. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I did that, like I said, over time, uh, really uh, dialed it in and then worked on the cover. I, I had hired some people through Fiverr to do covers and didn't really like how it turned out. So I ended up uh, designing it myself. And um, then uh, once it was all done, um, 
uploaded it to to Amazon through their KDP, uh, and and now it's available. There's definitely easier ways to uh, go about publishing a book. Um, if you just want to do an ebook, uh, there's something called uh, Kindle Publisher, uh, where you just write. Um, it's, it's a program, uh, that, uh, you can install, you can just write, uh, what you want to write and it will automatically format it, uh, for, for Kindle, for eBooks. Uh, mm. it will do that automatically. Uh, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, I wrote it in word and then I had to hire someone to get all the formatting exactly right. They have some very specifics as far as, uh, I think, uh, fonts and, uh, uh, spacing and and other things uh, that need to be uh, really dialed in, so it looks good across all the different types of uh, 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 format. So if someone's reading it on their phone or on their tablet or online, you know it looks good across uh, all those different platforms. Uh, so you know there's there's definitely easier ways if you just want to do an ebook and not go through the paperback or do a paperback. If you have just you know, 20 or 30 pages of notes, uh, that's pretty simple uh, to get uh, published as a book. Yeah, you know, this is what's so awesome is there's so much opportunity in the world today. I mean, we're even though it is a kind of a crazy economy with COVID and, and all the bailouts, and sometimes it's a little bit of a house of cards or a lot. Still, there's so much opportunity out there. And I look, we can, well, you just demonstrated, you've been able to publish your own book. You're an author. You've got your own product that you've created that you can sell and generate revenue from. I mean, roll the clock back 20 or 30 years ago, this was impossible. And <laughs> you, you would have had to gone to New York City and begged and pleaded for a publisher to, to pick up your book. And, and even then, they probably never would have pushed it that hard. Right. Now you can do it yourself. I mean, to me, this is amazing. It, it is. Absolutely. You know, but like you said, 20 or 30 years ago, you have, I'd have to go door to door, knocking on doors, say, hey, you know, please uh, buy my book or yeah, go, go to a, a publisher. But yeah, it's great that it's, uh, you know, it's very easy to to be self-published. Yeah. And then even if you were, for, I mean, 30, 40 years ago, even if you were fortunate enough to be published, well, then how do you ensure that it shows up in a Barnes and Noble and it's actually on a shelf where someone can buy it? I mean, mm-hmm. now you can you can buy it and it, it's easy. Like, How long did it take you to write this book from start to finish? Uh, about three years. Um, wow. Yeah. And it, it, it was off and on, um, you know, I would, uh, uh, obviously I'm, you know, still working full time. So, uh, it's, you know, nights, weekends, you know, uh, an hour here, two hours there. Uh, but, um, yeah, overall, uh, yeah, it took about uh, three years in total. Well, I, I love how, you know, your, your day job, you are an engineer and how you use that as an analogy all the way through this book about building and, building wealth, building buildings and construction. And that, that really works throughout the whole book. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I actually started writing the book f- for engineers, contractors and consultants uh, because, uh, you know, I realized that uh, the people I worked with, um, you know, it's something that, you know, we, we talked about, but, uh, there wasn't a lot of resources out there for um, for engineers and uh, uh, contractor consultants in, in the construction world uh, about personal finance and investing. Um, but then I realized that the book isn't really just 
for them, it could be for, for anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of, you know, opened it up, but you're right. The way I kind of lay out the book is how you would lay out a construction project from start to end. So starting in the planning phase, uh, you know, I talk about planning and retirement um, and then into design. Uh, that's where the, uh, the design of the tanks comes in and, and the, the flows in and out. So I kind of, I show, um, uh, step-by-step, uh, how that design, uh, starts, starts and ends and what it looks like at the end. And then in construction is where that theoretical design, you put it into practice. Um, Mm. so, you know, like, uh, with everything, obviously there's, there's the theory part and then there's the practice part. Uh, those don't always line up, but the, in, in the book, I, I talk about the design of the, the tanks and money flow as, you know, this is the theory and then construction part, um, uh, I relate it to building a building in, in floors. So here's the first floor, the second floor, third floor, fifth floor. And, and that's really putting that design uh, into practice and, and how to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then in the end, you've got a, a completed building. And uh, that's, yeah, that's kind of how I, I laid out the format of the book. So hopefully it, it helps readers uh, uh um, you know, get through a lot of the dry parts, you know, uh, uh, and, and, uh, keeps them reading through the the whole book. Yeah. I'm, I think it's a great analogy, the whole construction and building angle to this, you know, especially, I, I know someone else said this to me, you know, not too long ago where the, the, the objective is not necessarily to earn more money. It's to keep more of your money. And the more you keep, obviously, the more independence you have and the more time you can buy. These are just, again, concepts I wish I really would have understood when I was younger. Um, Speaking of which, let let, let me ask you this question. So let's say you're a parent of a small child, a, a child that might be in elementary school, middle school, even high school. You know, without getting into the investing and everything else, do you think there are some really good financial advice that you could offer children when they're younger? Uh, absolutely. And I, I try to do that with uh, my daughter, uh, who's uh, six and in, in first grade. You know, every day she wants to go to the store and, and buy a toy, of course. Right. <laughs> of course. And so, you know, what uh, my wife and I try to teach her is, all right. You know, uh, we, we have her do some small chores around the house uh, for a dollar or two dollars. And we say, all right, you can, you know, save this money. If you want to go to the store, uh, we can go to the store and you can buy a toy for a dollar or two dollars. You're not going to get much. And of course, we go to the store and she sees a twenty dollar toy she buys. She wants yeah. to buy. Say, so, well, all right. You have to save up twenty dollars, you know, to buy that toy. Or if you want to you know, invest, uh, that money to get to that $20 to buy that toy. You know, we, we say, you know, if you can save that money, uh, we'll give you a little bit more, uh, every day, uh, and try and kind of teach her that, um, you know, obviously it's important to save, uh, but if she can, you know, kind of let that money go for a little bit, um, uh, 
uh, that money will will grow uh, over time and, and she can eventually get what she wants, which is a toy, which then I tell her, you know, that $20 toy, is that really going to bring you happiness? Is that going to bring you long-term happiness? <laughs> or is it going to bring you an hour worth of happiness and then you're going to forget about it and then it just goes back into the pile? Um, and so, you know, absolutely, it's, uh, it's, it's teaching um, you know, trying to teach uh, kids when, when when they're younger about the importance of not just spending money as soon as you get it. You know, I love the idea that you you just mentioned how you eventually show them how to make money, right? Where if they save it, you know, you kick in a little bit extra. So I know when I was younger, you know, you have a piggy bank or something equivalent, and you put money in it and you save it. But I never really understood that I could make that money grow. And if I save a dollar, maybe by the end of the month, it's worth a dollar ten, you know, or something like that. Um, that the fact that you're teaching your daughter that concept at a young age, I think, is fantastic. Yeah, we'll we'll see if she uh, if it works out, but yeah, that's what we're we're trying to do. Well, good. Well, what else? What else have I have I missed? Is there anything else you you, you think is important that you'd like to share with the audience about your book or some other financial um, lessons that you've learned along the way? I think we covered a lot of it. Um, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, we talked about, uh, you know, what I talked about in the book, the difference between earning and making, um, we talked about compounding, uh, financial independence, uh, you know, we talked about, you know, the right mindset, um, which is, uh, like I said, not just earning money, but making money and how that, how making money uh, allows you to um, buy time. Uh, you know, one of the kind of the, the things we always hear is that uh, money can't buy happiness. Um, and, you know, I agree um, that, uh, you know, having money doesn't mean automatically mean that you're happy, but, making money can make you happy. And that's, that's where that, that time comes in. Uh, you know, I, a lot of the articles, a lot of the books I read about money and happiness, you know, talk about, um, you know, money not being able to, to buy happiness. And it's, uh, I think it's a hundred percent true, but having the right mindset is realizing that, that it's not about having money. It's about making money. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said where, you know, earning money is valuable. And I think there's self-esteem in earning money in your career, doing what you love to do. But if you can make money, that also gives you a whole other level of self-esteem. You feel good about what you're doing. You feel good about yourself. You take pride in your actions. I think that's very, that's a, that's a, that's a noble thing, you know? Right. You know, and I talk about fulfillment, you know, uh, kind of in the beginning of the book when I'm talking about why, uh, you know, you know, life is about, you know, pursuing happiness, finding that purpose, uh, fulfillment comes from, you know, realizing that purpose and, and being able to, uh, um, uh, you know, complete whatever, whatever that, that purpose is. Um, and so it's important that while, uh, fulfillment and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing. They are, I think, very much related. Um, you know, I, mm -hmm. like we said before, I, I don't know what makes, you know, other people happy, but um, I'm 
pretty sure that if you're able to uh, uh, think of a purpose and, and fulfill that, uh, it will definitely help in your overall long-term happiness. Well, I think um, the Beatles got it right when they said money can't buy me love, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean, I know we, we sometimes we have money and we spend it and we like it, you know, like you said, your daughter maybe buys a $20 toy and it's good for an hour and then poof, it's gone. So yeah, it, it's so many great lessons in this book. So uh, building firm financial independence with the right mindset, and this is available on Amazon. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's uh, available on Amazon. You, uh, you can just search the title building firm. Uh, okay. Hopefully it, it should come up as the, the first thing. And um, I think uh, I'm a, you might put a link in the, uh, the video description. Assuming I, I think you, you still have the, uh, uh, have the link, but yeah, on Amazon. Is, is there, do you have a website or um, any other way people can connect with you personally? Uh, you know, I don't, I've got, uh, an email, uh, in the book actually. Um, uh, I set up a, a Gmail. It's Alex Mathers mindset at gmail.com. Uh, I don't have a website yet. Uh, it's something I think, uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, it, it I might, um, uh, open it up if, uh, if the book, uh, becomes popular and, and people want to know more and, um, uh, as a way I can help them more. Well, I, I think it's a great book. I think it offers financial insight and education that's not found in a lot of other personal finance books. And for people, like, I guess you, you talked a little bit about their, um, was it left brain or right brain? The, I always get those two confused. But <laughs> people that think, you know, rationally, logically, analytically, you've got a, a, this flow chart this system of of drains and and valves and 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 tanks um, of how to build wealth and I, I just think the visuals in this are wonderful and they're a great mindset you know to go forward with so this is a great book I wish you nothing but success thanks I really appreciate it okay absolutely all right well then let's wrap it up we're at exactly an hour which is great so um thank you alex for joining us and thank you everyone in the audience um for um, being with us uh, on the john riley project episode number 182 election day cannot come soon enough and i was happy we were able to explore something without going into politics so that's right that's probably a good thing <laughs> yeah maybe a little break oh yeah. you know I, I should i show the uh, shirt yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. This is uh, uh, John gave this to me. Uh, Pursue happiness uh, from uh, Poway store, right? Is this on yeah, the Poway so store? Yeah. And I still have them on my website at johnreillyproject.com. You can get oh, them yeah. there. I still have some. I mean, if you know, I usually I make those shirts and I give them to my guests. Um, <laughs> and so thanks again for wearing them. It's, it's a fun shirt. It's fun to make apparel. Oh, yeah. And uh, have a little bit of good times with it. So all good. Well, Alex, thanks again. Thank you, John. Pretty really appreciate it. All right.